0: Heights to the depths of the sea. In
1: verse 33, he says, I did not know him. This is the second time he said that. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. <clears throat> excuse me, this is he, notice, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Every creature is unique. In
0: Explaining, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky, and you know them by name. You are amazing, God.
1: Oh, powerful, untamable.
0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God gave John the Baptist a sure sign to know the Messiah. He would be the one on whom the Holy Spirit descended upon from heaven. John was a reliable witness regarding Jesus because he had confirming evidence from God. Jesus received nothing at his baptism that he didn't have before. The baptism of Jesus was merely a visible symbol of what had actually and invisibly taken place prior at the conception of Jesus. If the cleansing with water was associated with John's ministry, The giving of the Holy Spirit was reserved for the one greater than John. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress.
1: But because of his this propitiation that Jesus obtained for us, we are now also reconciled to a holy God. I'd say that's pretty good news. Wouldn't you? I know the way I was before Christ, and even as a Christian, God still has a lot of work to do, but I remember the way I was. I'm not that way anymore, but I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm in a process. Don't get discouraged, folks, if you're going through difficulties. It doesn't mean that you've created some great sin. God is sanctifying you. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. You've got to be patient and just call upon him and let him do the work. Don't fight. Don't stress about it. Just offer yourself to him. Offer yourself to him. You can look at those other two verses. They speak of this propitiation. But notice in verse 30 back in our text this morning. This is he, John the Baptist said, of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now John was six months older than Jesus. So John was born first. And he was the forerunner. And certainly Jesus would come after. There's no doubt about that. But John was also very aware that Jesus was preexistent. Meaning before he was incarnate in the Virgin Mary, he existed before then from eternity past. He has always been with the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with him in the beginning, our beginning, the beginning of the heavens and the earth and time itself. But before all that came to pass, he existed always. He's always been there. It blows my mind, and sometimes my brain just wants to explode when I think about it too much. I would encourage you to think about it too much, and let your mind get carried away. That's where your worship is going to be begin. It's where it's going to be begin. Be begin? Is that a new word? That's where your worship is going to begin. Because you're in awe of Him. If you've got a God you can figure out, you know, you're in sad shape. We serve a God who is abundantly beyond our imagination. With our finite minds, we can't understand the infinite. We will never understand the infinite. Even in his presence, eons, millions of years will go by if there's even time in eternity. Millions of years will fly by and we will still be dropping our, draw, our jaws. Our jaws will still be dropping in awe and wonder of him. Notice in verse 31, he says, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. John the Baptist knew Jesus. The the scripture doesn't tell us how close they were. We knew they were cousins because John's mother, Elizabeth, was cousin to Mary. So John and Jesus, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ were related in the flesh. And certainly they would go up to the feast days three times a year and Perhaps they spent time together. John was not unaware of Jesus, but he didn't know who it was that God was going to anoint to be the chosen one, the Messiah, and the Lord did reveal it finally to John. This is the one, and that's why John would look at Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world Follow him. And all the people who are following John, John being that faithful forebearer, that that faithful herald. He said, there he is. I've been talking about him up until now. There he is. I must increase or I must decrease that he might increase. And John faded away. What a faithful servant. Great rewards waiting for him in glory. Even though his ministry was very short. But John knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know that he would be the one until the Lord revealed it. Verse 32, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven, lotus, like a dove. Underline that in your Bible, like a dove. He descended like a dove, and he remained upon him. A dove is a very peaceful bird. I've never known of a dove attacking people. George Hitchcock, when he made the movie The Birds, he didn't use doves. They're the most docile creatures around. The, the, the biggest thing you've got to worry about is when there's a bunch of them around, you better cover your head. <laughs> but other than that, they're not going to attack you. Just keep throwing the breadcrumbs. But notice, like a dove. Movies. I remember Jesus of Nazareth by Franco Zeffirelli. My wife and I own this movie, and it's a really wonderful movie. I, I, I enjoy it. There's some things that, aren't quite right but, but you know it's a, it's a good movie but one of the things that it shows a dove literally coming upon Jesus but that's not really what happened cuz how can a how can you describe the spirit of god coming upon Jesus how can you describe that unless you use a real dove cue the dove but the spirit of god just rested upon him and what peace and gentleness there is In other words, the Spirit of God, just as we sang earlier, he he gently came upon him and remained upon him. And when the Spirit of God is moving and in control, guess what? There is peace and there's gentleness. There's a rest. There's a rest. Back in 1994, many of you remember, there was a thing going around in the church called the Toronto Blessing. It started in the Toronto Airport Vineyard Church, which ultimately was renamed in 1996 because in 1994 they, they attached themselves to this new doctrine of the Holy Spirit. They, they, first they were called the Airport Vineyard Church. Then in 1996, two years after this weirdness, they changed their name to Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. And then later, in 2010, they just finally gave in and said, let's call our church Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire, Toronto. I bring this up because it's important, because people over the years have been confused when they see what the Spirit of God is purportedly doing in some churches. And yet in these meetings, these poor Christians, and I say poor Christians because they were being duped. The spirit, they would say, would come upon them and they would roll on the floor and they would, they would, they would wiggle through they would like a serpent through uh, the chairs. They would, they, they would hiss and they would flap their arms like, like a bird. And they would make sounds of animals and run around the sanctuary doing these crazy aberrant things. And then there would be holy laughter where they would just laugh uncontrollably. Does that sound like the Spirit of God to you? Do you see that in the book of Acts? Do you see it anywhere in the Bible? I don't see it. Instead of them being God's masterpiece, what they were doing is they were acting like the creatures that are subhuman. They were acting like the four-footed creatures that God had made. Instead of being his masterpiece, his poema, his workmanship, now they've been resorted to this wiggling through the aisles and, and, and making noise and flapping their arms. And making animal sounds. I can imagine the Holy Spirit was very grieved at what the church at that time was embracing. It spread like wildfire. Many pastors wanted to get it, they wanted to catch it. They wanted to catch the fire. That's a fire I want to keep away. It became a circus. And unfortunately, it was imported into many churches. And we also see Benny Hinn in his antics. Remember him. I remember seeing him on TBN one time where he would shoot somebody with his hand. He'd be like, like that. And the person would fall and be slain in the spirit. And then he would take off his coat and he would stride like a proud lion on the stage. And he'd take his jacket and whack somebody with it. And they would fall down and start wiggling. And, and it's just like, are you, are you kidding? No wonder everyone's afraid of the Holy Spirit. Seeing aberrations like that, no wonder nobody wants to have anything to do with them. If that's really the way it was, I wouldn't want anything to do with them either. The only two people that I know in the New Testament who are slain in the spirit were Ananias and Sapphira, and they were literally slain in the spirit. God took them out because of their hypocrisy. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, what does it say? We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship, it's a poema. Whenever the topic of the Holy Spirit has come, has come up or been brought up, the devil has done all he could to malign it and twist it. Because the last thing the devil wants is for Christians to have the, a right understanding about the who, who the Holy, excuse me who the Holy Spirit is, much less walk in him. We're so afraid because we've seen so many bizarre examples. And and the devil loves to magnify the weird stuff. And of course, the newspaper and the media, they love it too. Look at those weird Christians. Look at how freaked out they are. Boy, they're foolish. And yet, the Spirit of God is holy. He's just. He's peaceful. He came upon Jesus like a dove, so peaceful and gentle. And whenever the Spirit of God is really moving, there is peace, there's joy, there's rest. And nothing is out of order. In verse 33, he says, I did not know him. This is the second time he said that. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, excuse me, this is he, notice, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, while Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, in fact, if you look at your Bible in the, in the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17 happened in the upper room that evening. All those events took place while they were in that upper room having that last supper. A lot of detail in those chapters about what happened that night before Jesus was wrongly taken and arraigned before the different magistrates, and ultimately put to death. But Jesus said this in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, said this to his disciples. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus defined the Helper earlier in in, in chapter 14 as the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. He says, I have to be crucified. I have to rise. And I have to ascend to the Father. Because if I don't do that, I can't send him to you. The Comforter. The Helper. The Holy Spirit. I can't send him unless I go. It's to your advantage that I go. So Jesus is the one who dispatches the Holy Spirit. It is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus. The verse I just read you is proof of that. He goes to prepare a place. He goes and he'll send him. He will send him. But there is a difference, and I want to share with you the difference between water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there may be some confusion. Matthew gives us the distinction. In Matthew chapter 3, it says, uh, verse 11, I indeed Uh, This is John speaking. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's what he said. It's Jesus. And notice, in verse 13 of that same chapter, And the baptism of Jesus is is not really recorded for us in its entirety in the book of John, but Matthew gives it to us. In chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized of him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to John the Baptist, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove remember that's a simile it means like something like a dove and it alighted upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased John's baptism was a baptism was a water baptism of repentance and remission of sin And Jesus was water baptized by John, not because he needed to be baptized. He was baptized by John to identify with fallen, sinful man. Not because he himself needed to, because he was perfect. He is perfect. There is no sin within him. He's the perfect, spotless lamb of God. So when we water baptize today, we don't baptize in the name of, you know, for repentance, per se, only. We baptize in the name of Jesus. We are baptized in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In Romans 6, let me just read to you the first five verses. This will make complete sense, because that's what we do when we have the baptismal out here, and we look forward to doing that sometime soon. Paul says in Romans 6, What shall I say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. What shall we who died in sin live any longer in it? Or do we not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus, notice, were baptized in his death, into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so that is the difference between, that is water baptism. That's what we do today. When we baptize, we baptize, when we go under, we're basically acknowledging our death in him. The death to the old self, the old nature, and when we come up out of the water, it's a signification that we identify with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As He rose in newness of life, so we too also. That's what that's all about, and certainly repentance is involved. But it's it's different. John's baptism and the baptism after Jesus was different. Now let's so that's water baptism, but now there is something else. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit is something completely different. See, you and I, when we were born again, the Spirit of God came inside of us. He indwelt us. And that's good. That's that's the seal of redemption. That's the earnest of our salvation until Jesus comes back to take bodily what he has already purchased on the cross. That's what happens in the rapture. When the church is raptured, we get a new body and we're taken bodily out of here. To be with him forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> Looking forward to that day. Would to God that it was right. now, But unfortunately I don't have that little button on my phone. That app. Rapture. That'd be a great. I bet it would. Well who knows what would happen in the Apple store. Would it sell out? I don't know. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is empowered from above, the Spirit of God coming upon you. He's already in us, but we need this other relationship with him. We need to be empowered to do what he's called us to do, to live the life that he's given to us, to empower us to not only be bold in this generation that we live in, but to share the gospel, to be bold to share it. You know the feeling when you share the gospel with anyone outside these four walls, the the, 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 it, the pressure is on And the tension that you feel, that's when we need the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God upon us to where we're no longer thinking about ourselves. That's a really good thought. Some people think, well, I need to think more of myself so my steam will be better. No, listen, the problem with most of us is that we think too much of ourselves. We need to think less of ourselves and more thinking about him. That's our problem. That's my problem. Is it your problem? Raise your hand if it is. (laughs) Gotcha. But let's go to Joel chapter 2. Actually, you know what? For the sake of time, I'd encourage you to just write these things down because I'm going to read them to you for the sake of time. But Joel uh, chapter 2, verse 28 through 29, it was written about 835 B.C eight hundred and thirty five So some eight hundred at least eight hundred years before Jesus was born it was prophesied. What did it say? And it shall come to pass afterward that I shall pour out my out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maid servants and on my maiden servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. It was looking forward to a day yet in the future when Joel wrote this, and we're going to see that that day has already come, and we're going to see that shortly. But I want to show you the chronological process of how this works, and hopefully it'll be clear to you. So Joel tells us, God says, there's coming a day where I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now fast forward about 800 years at least, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room, During the Last Supper, in John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And notice, I will pray the Father, and notice, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He defines who this helper is, the Spirit of truth. He says other words, at other places, that's the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. That he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for guess what? He dwells with you the Greek word is para. He, he dwells with you, and notice, and will be in you. He's speaking to his disciples the night before he was taken. He says, the Spirit of God is walking with you, but he's going to be in you soon, guys. He's going to be within you. Within another less than 48 hours, he's going to be in you. Actually, it'll be a little bit longer than that. Three days. He's going to be in you. So, Jesus tells them the Holy Spirit dwells with them and would soon be in them. So, the disciples would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They'd be born again. Because if you're not indwelt by the Spirit of God, you're not a Christian. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter if you do good things. What makes you a Christian is the Spirit of God indwelling you. Peter says that, I believe. Unless you have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. If He's not indwelt you, you're none of His. So the event that the disciples would be born again would be the night of the resurrection. In John chapter 20, it says, Then the same day at evening... This is John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, appeared suddenly in the midst of them, stood them, and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so the Lord said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We believe that it's at this time the disciples were born again. Were they going to heaven if they died before this moment? Yes, because they were believing by faith, but now they had the Spirit of God indwelling
0: them. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John.